0: Welcome back, Within Thin Lines. My name is Vince Castaneda, and on this well-sought-out release and officially accredited episode, Cadre Dan and myself sit down and review and reflect upon the basic foundational knowledge of patient assessment, the OPQRST in sample history. As stated above, this episode is officially credited, which means now that just by listening to our educational training episodes, you can earn continued education hours. Head over to the CME Collective over at imed.com. Create an account, listen to our show, and answer a few questions. And boom, CE hours. This has been a journey and long process for us to complete as one of our missions here at the WTO Podcast. But it truly cannot have happened without the support and guidance of our viewers and our partners. From us all here at the WTL Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay aggressively and tactfully educated. You got it. The beats from Doug. Anyway, so Wait, are we recording? Yeah, we've been recording ever since you were yawning at somebody about the toilets, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I'm Come literally on. here like, listen, everybody, here's how to be a good leader. We Nuh-uh. put
1: you off like, oh f- yeah. No, you were getting into it already. Oh, I was
0: already getting into it, man. Mm. All
1: right.
0: Mm. That is our intro. Okay. Good. So that's it. You know, this is one of the things that we've been trying to pursue or have been talking about pursuing, is pushing for more education, especially now that we are officially accredited. This would be the initial release off the CME collection. Or I'm sorry, the CME collective with Imed And no better way to start than starting with the basics, right? Yes. Something that I think a lot of providers and first responders have forgotten. I don't know if it's out of humbleness or out of, you know, is it the fact that maybe you train too hard and you get a license or your too much knowledge is sometimes dangerous? I don't know. Because every now and then you kind of forget to do the basics and the basics is what kind of leads the way to how you should be performing. So yeah,
1: regardless of what level of care you're providing, you can be a physician. You can't get those basics done. You can't find your way to the result of that chief complaint.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So when we talk about the basics, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Basic assessment.
0: Basic assessment. Okay. Yeah. And I think an acronym that we could touch up on pretty heavily is the OPQRST and sample histories, right? Something that I've actually witnessed a lot of providers completely forget to do when it comes to basic assessments or your initial assessments. And we just need to have that humble reminder and be like, hey, do the basics. But what's that? You know that that thing that uh, that saying that people have that like paramedics save lives, but like EMTs save medics. Yeah, you right. Know some saying like that. You know it is accurate. You know because I think ever since you become a paramedic or you gain that extra level, you tend to forget with all that extra knowledge some of the very core things that you've been taught.
1: That's Absolutely, actually, and I will saying. stand by that. If if you're not a good basic, and you can't do those basic skills. It's going to be a struggle as a medic and I'm a firm believer. And if I'm working with a basic, you know, they're not just an ambulance driver. Yeah, sure. They get up and do that, but why can't we equip them in on and putting them in the scenario and putting them in front of the patient to ask questions as well? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, they're just as useful. I need, I need that guy too. Right. So we got to change our mentality as some of us medics are working with EMTs. (laughs) You know, we need them too.
0: And I think you and I could both kind of relate to us because we work with EMTs directly. You know, yeah. traditionally, at least for the, the initial place I worked for them, the full-time place I work for, it's, uh, it's just me, the medic, and the rest of the, the guys or gals on the engine or or assignment that I'm at are going to be EMTs. You know, that's a bare minimum requirement. But as a medic, you're kind of, you're in charge. You're in charge of the patient care. You're in charge of that assessment. But I'm I'm a firm believer, just like you said, that I want my EMTs to do everything they can do on their, their scope of practice until it gets to the point that it needs me. You know, right. Yeah, I still do the bedside care and the initial uh, hands-on sometimes, depending on what it is, but I'm always that guy to be like, hey, listen, man, you, you know how to do a patient care assessment. Get at it. Jump right to it. You know? And sometimes right. I stand back and I observe. Hey, it gives me a chance to get a perspective from outside the story box and kind of observe more of what's going on other than getting tunnel vision on the just patient itself. It gives me a chance to kind of look around and see what the scenario is. How's the car damage, you know, what kind of intrusion we're we looking at, what else is going on and scene? is the scene even safe, you know, that kind right. of situation. But as a leader in whatever role you carry, whether it's rank or skill or scope of practice and licensure, you should be initiating that continued training and a continued aspiration to train to your peers that follow you for them to hopefully one day be in your spot. You know, my greatest successful moments in this career is when I have those EMTs come to me at the end of the call and be like, yo, that was actually really cool. That was really interesting. Nobody's really let me do that before. I'm like, dude, it's in your licensure. You know, you should be able to do it. You You know, in fact, it's not that you should be, it's that you need to. You know, yes. it is your job to do that. You can't just follow the medic along and, and just pick up the, the pieces. You know, you need to be able to, you understand. know, and
1: sadly it, it does trend that way. Doesn't yes. it sense? Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely trends that way. I mean, a lot of agencies, just the importance of auscultating lungs for that EMT to be able to auscultate lung sounds and to determine, you know, what, what he's hearing. Right. Right. I mean, that, that's such a big deal, even that in itself. And uh, we got to be helping them out. Gotta That's put right. him in that situation, and That's and right. I agree with you, man. I love when that provider comes up to me after the call, and he's like, "Man, that was awesome." Of course, it was awesome <laughs> because we're a team today, man. Yes, we're a team, and I need you just as much as you need me. One hundred percent, one
0: hundred percent. And funny that you said ask Oscar Tatum long sounds and whatnot is because we actually have. I didn't release the episode yet, but I'm doing a open boxing and review off this item because it excites me so much in the essence of like a new tool. And it has some sentimental value to me because I have the OG version of this from Litman. But this is the Echo Core stethoscope. What it actually allows you to do is amplify it. Yeah, it amplifies. It also, it acts like earbuds, you know, the AirPod buds. It, what's the word?
1: Kind of phases out the outside. It phases like out, that.
0: yeah. It phases out the outside noises. It allows you to actually get clarity. And if you hook it up to the app on the phone, it'll actually assist you in, or, in order to diagnose heart murmurs. And if you pay for the subscription for that service, additional, it actually lets you to hook up and stream to Telogen, and you can have a board of doctors listen to what you're listening to live in order to do a further assessment. Now, I get it. This is something that's very clinical saturated for those providers in hospital bases, probably high level of care, but in an environment of loud noises and an environment of high traffic. I mean, this is something that I've been really wanting to incorporate even in flight, you know, cause we don't get to listen to lung sounds in flight we, we're kind of, we're kind of at the mercy of maybe cabinography, that's you know? It. That's, That's all you get. I don't get to put a stethoscope in my ears because we're hearing, we're wearing hair, we're hearing protection and we're wearing a helmet. But to have this, where it actually streams into a Bluetooth device and to your AirPods, if you wanted to, it's it's game changing. So, I've yet to actually use it in flight. I did get to use it throughout my firefighter uh, medic spot on the streets, and uh, it's it's definitely been game changing in order to amplify and just just like completely sound out the exterior distracting noise. But I digress. Uh, we're talking about OPQRC. You just stated that, but I want to give a little precursor of what's coming up next because that is something we're currently in the process of, of building that review. So we talk about basic reviews. We talk about basic assessments. What is, other than OPQRC and samples, is there anything, other acronyms that help you in the long run when it comes to like your scene, your initial care, or anything that come up to your mind of what you use?
1: Yeah. You know, AVPU is another one. Mm-hmm. That alert mean? verbal pain and responsive. But we were talking earlier, you know, thinking about OPQRST, is it is it necessarily to assess just someone who's in pain? That's right. You know, think of the acronym. Provokes what makes that pain worse or what makes your breathing more difficult. You know I it guess, is so. it
0: is talk about pain, but could you use that per situation? You know, well, let's go over to acronym and then maybe we could play around as we come into it a little mm. further, right? So we'll yeah. define some of the uh, the verbiage behind it. Oh, right, stands for onset. And if we are going to use it for pain in specific, is did your, your pain start suddenly or gradually? Um, was it getting worse and worse? Or is it something where it's just like, even you could say, what were you doing when it started? You know, what is what is the reason behind doing the onset review
1: of OPQRC? Like why why is that important? Hmm. Well, I guess when we're walking in the door, I mean we don't know what anybody was doing before this. So, like you said, what were you doing? I think that does open it up to anything outside of trauma. Were you out in the garden? Were you walking to the fridge to get your diabetic meds? Who knows? But that so that does open it up based on that outside of trauma right? Because if you're doing chest pain, let's say you
0: got a chest pain patient. If onset started when you were lifting, you know, a couple plates on a bar at the gym and all of a sudden you slipped and your plate, your bar landed on your chest and now that caused a chest pain. Could that help Boom. define what happened? Right. You know what I mean? Is it right. automatically we have to assume that it's cardiac in nature or is
1: it trauma? You know, is it muscular right. or skeletal? Or um, even what were you doing before I got here? right? The patient's complaining of a rapid heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I was sitting on the couch doing nothing. And you palpate that radio pulse, which tells you a lot just during your basic exam, just sitting there and palpating that radio pulse can tell you a whole lot. Sure. We'll get to that. But hey, I was doing nothing and I had a sudden acute onset of feeling like my heart's going to beat on my chest. Sure. Well, here comes your 12 lead. We're going to see, you know, that could be a rapid onset of SVT or some heart arrhythmia. Yeah,
0: there you go. Now, let's move into P, right? What does P stand for?
1: Provoke. Okay. Tell me more. So, what were you doing? What made this happen? So, what, I guess it could be, if if we're talking about pain, what makes that pain better or worse? There you go. How about that?
0: Okay. Or provokes in the essence of, like, what is it that actually causes it, you know? Mm -hmm. What makes that pain come back? Is it something right. where I'm sitting here and I'm not in pain, but now when I start walking and I'm in pain, right? That could lead to cardiac nature. Mm-hmm. Is it something where it only hurts when I press or when I lift my right. arms up? Yeah. Right. That can maybe say it's more car- muscular skeletal, Yep. but that's what provokes. And there's one thing though, when it comes to the P that a lot of people forget. And the only time I was taught this was during, like it, it was skipped completely in my medical school and EMT school but it was during my my last chance review before I took the NA, the NREMT, right? And I saw this question on my national registry, which it blew my mind because it's was like, man, good thing I looked this over. But P does not only stand for provoke, it also stands for palliate, right? right? So what is it that makes it worse and what is it that makes it better, right? right? So touching it makes it worse, but is it something different that makes it better? And, right. a, and in an essence of like, if it makes it better to lay down, right? Does it make it better to rest? Does it hurt when you start running around and climbing upstairs? But it feels a lot better when you sit down and catch your breath. That's probably going to be cardiac in nature, right? Right. And that's what it's. It's important to get an overall picture of what's going on, and then we go into quality. Why do we want to know about quality? Or what is it that we're trying to figure out about quality?
1: It's, is your pain sharp or dull? I think for the layperson, when we're encountering somebody is, what does it feel like to you? But asking maybe specific questions, because if, if you ask somebody like, what does it feel like to you? They might not be able to describe it very well. Right. You know, so giving them that option. Is it dull? Is it sharp? Is it a heavy? Right. And whatever those words will be, that'll trigger them to be like, oh, yeah, it's sharp. That's what it is. That's right. That's right. You know, so be specific.
0: No, that's hundred percent. You're completely right. Cause there are instances where if they are in severe pairing, they're not thinking about like that old textbook. Perfect. Does it feel like an elephant's laying on your
1: chest? You know what right. I mean? I, right. I
0: hated using that because it was like, what's the relevance in that? How, how does right. anybody know what that feels like? Unless you've
1: actually, right? we there? could just put Vince on your chest. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> know,
0: exactly. <laughs> you know, you call me an elephant dude.
1: Anyway, yeah,
0: <laughs> right. But you just like you said, you're talking about sharp, dull, tearing, ripping, does it feel right. like a? Does it feel like weight? Does it feel like someone's punching you? You got you right. got to be very specific and explicit about some of those terminologies in order for them to be like, you know what? Yeah, it does feel like that. But there are right. there are those times where you had that one patient who you're like, mm, are you really in pain? And you list all those off, and they're like, mm-hmm, that's how it feels. All of those. All of those. You know. Yeah. A, they just don't care, or B, they just have a really crazy high good tolerance for uh, pain. Yes. Um, so and I've seen them both versions of it. But yep. They, could they be a seeker? Or they could actually be in severe pain. They don't, they don't want to talk to you anymore. Right. And then what's after Q? Radiate. Radiate. So what does so, that mean?
1: So I was going to ask you what that means, Vince. Ask me. You tell me what radiates means. Mm-hmm.
0: So radiation, you're talking about like, does it move? Does it actually trigger another part of your body? So for example, if I'm having chest pain, I want to know, is it going anywhere else? Does it shoot to your back? You know, the typical signs of aneurysms. Does it go right. down your arm, up your jaw? Do you feel numbness? You know, is there any other correlating discomfort with this? Right? Is not I don't want to just know about that chest pain. Is that chest pain also causing something else? Sure. And to review on this actually cuz it, it it's a perfect opportunity to talk about it. Is there any injuries that you know of that could lead to discomfort in secondary places? That would completely make no sense to me, but is actually a textbook medical definition for a secondary
1: discomfort mm, i might have one but i don't want to screw this one up yeah, i want to make sure of this before i lay it back so we could pause here for a second i mean talking you, you can, abdominal pain right lower quadrant mm-hmm. rebound
0: tenderness Rebound tenderness. Okay. Oh you know, yeah. I haven't, heard about I haven't heard that in a while.
1: Yeah. Sign of appendicitis. Yeah. Radiating to, radiating to the flanks. Yeah. Are they febrile? That's um, actually,
0: that's actually something we could really talk about in quality too.
1: Right? Absolutely.
0: The whole idea of like, I'm sorry, maybe more. I don't know. That's a good question. Is it quality or is it more of the provoking palliation? Hmm. Cause quality rebound tenderness can be a description of pain, but yep provoking and palliation could be this is what causes a whole new level of pain or discomfort. So rebound tenders, by definition, is like, all right, if I'm pressing on your abdomen, right. let say you're doing your your abdomen assessment, right? Obviously, you never go for that the point of injury or the point of discomfort first. You work your right. way into that. The reason being because if you cause the pain significantly more off the bat, you're not going to get a thorough enough assessment of the rest of the quadrants of that abdomen. So always start with the furthest away. So if he's got a right upper pain, start with the lowers, right? So I'm, right. I'm assessing, I'm not just doing a poking product. I'm actually assessing with all my hand in that kind of wave motion to feel if there's any, any tenderness, right? Right. And as I'm doing it, or as you're doing it, you should also be, you know, focusing on their face. And mm. what is it that I could get out of their face that maybe I won't get verbally,
1: right? Some type of grimace,
0: grimace. Exactly. Cause there are people who say they're not in pain, or they, yeah, it doesn't really hurt, but the minute you touch it, they don't want to say anything, and then they grimace.
1: don't push too hard though, Vince. Yeah, you might get a right. toot out of there. That's right. <laughs> you know, right.
0: that's true. That's true. I mean, that happens before. You know, but this idea that you do want to see the face and get that grimace out of it, but rebound tenderness is like, I, I don't really feel much. A, I don't feel anything. And what is it that I'm feeling for? I'm feeling for masses. I'm feeling for pulsations. Right. Right. That could be an issue if I feel yeah. pulsating mass in the abdomen.
1: Yeah. Triple A. Ready for that. Yeah. Right. Check that blood pressure. Let's see.
0: Yeah. Right. Whoops. But it's the idea also saying that I'm I'm assessing what I feel and what does a patient feel. And if they say it only hurts as I let go, it's the rebound, right? Which leads to a diagnosis of what you said? Appendicitis. Appendicitis. 100%. 100%. So the thing I was going at to before that. I I didn't really study this until I really got into the FPC uh, and the CCP, the Critical Care and Flight Paramedicine. They really talk about trauma, and in the essence of uh, abdominal trauma, when it comes to spleens. So, and it it still doesn't really make sense to me. I'm sure there is a medical definition of why, but it's one of those like cluster. Like I don't get it. It's that a ruptured spleen will actually have shoulder discomfort. What's, right. what's Yeah, what's that even have to do? And it goes into the Kerr's sign is what they define it as. But right. any kind of ruptured spleen will cause the discomfort in the shoulder. So that's another tool in the toolbox you could have and say, hey, abdominal assessment, does that pain radiate? Is, it, is there any other secondary discomfort that's coming up other than what's going on in the abdomen? And you're right. trying to prevent that, that uh, what's the word? Tunnel vision. Right. right? Don't get so focused on what the actual complaint is. Look at the whole assessment of what's going on as well.
1: Yeah, which I think we should get to once we get through OPQRST here. And yeah. I think I think it was really good we just talked about radiates. I mean, how important it is to, you got to educate yourself. I mean, just the fact that we were talking about spleen injuries and in the shoulder could be a sign. You know, there's there's certain signs that people can exhibit that I might not even know or think about. So educate yourself. I need yeah. that. But what I was getting at is, once we get through OPQRST, the importance of, I think even before we get to it is is that initial appearance, sick or not sick. Sure. Right. So we'll I, we'll get to that. But yeah. Vince on the OPQRST severity, what's that to you?
0: Okay, severity in comparison of their history, and their abilities, how would you rate this pain? Oh, zero. The 10, right? A lot of people say one to 10 necessarily. It doesn't have to be a one, right? Cause it's and zero. you cannot
1: go above 10.
0: You can't go above 10. And sometimes most of the time if they're in pain, <laughs> they're going to go above 10, right? It yes. hurts like a 15. It's like, yeah, I will take the 10. Cause that's what I got to yes. document. Okay. I can't yes. write 15, but a zero to 10, right? How do you rate this pain? And sometimes you may even have to be explicit and be like, or not explicit, but more descriptive and be like, compared to the worst pain you ever had. Right. right. So for women, and I cannot relate to this. I don't mm-hmm. understand the the amount of pain they've gone through for this. But a good comparison for that is like let's compare it to labor. Right. For mm-hmm. that, how does that radiate, or how does that
1: compare in, in security? Yeah. Yep. And why
0: That's would you getting wanna... more
1: specific. Yeah. It's getting more specific in, in relating to your patient, right? Right. Not just asking those textbook things. Hey, you have children. How, how does it compare to that labor? That sure. labor pain. Sure. Oh well it's not as bad as that. So I, I guess I'd go with a, a seven, you <laughs> right. know, or whatever. Right. Right. You know, it should be in comparison,
0: right? Because we
1: want to pressure. decrease that pain scale, you know, a couple points, we, mm-hmm. we we want to drop that a couple points. We need to bring them to a zero. If we do cool, but let's get them comfortable. Oh, let me, let me check you on that for a second though.
0: Right. Cause uh-huh. ideally, yes, if we could, if we could make, if we could answer all the questions and all the, all the problems you have in the world as providers, um, when it comes to medical issues, we would love to, right. But realistically, Our goal is not to make your pain go away, you know? And I think a lot of times when I play with pain medications, when it comes to people in pain, they expect me to make it go completely away. And my kickback on that that is, listen, you're still going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to make it easier for you, right? I'm going to make it a little more tolerable. But the reason why I can't give you more medication for it to completely go away is because we get to the hospital and the doctors are doing their assessments and you feel nothing in your abdomen anymore, there goes their assessment. That's right. Right? So we yep. still have to know exactly what's going on and where it's going on. Yep. But I would make it, I would make your ride a little more tolerable. 100%. Yes. Good point. Uh, so just don't forget that for everybody out there. Like again, be, and you and I have gone on this conversation down this rodeo about medication administration and understand the mm. why and the reason behind it and yes. the purpose behind it other than just yes. the protocol says so. Be, aggressively and tactfully educated. Right? Yes. I, I'm, I shot that from the head, but it sounds good. Aggressively and tactfully good. educated, right? Understand everything you do and why you do it. Yes. Uh, but also why do we want to know a, a scale of this discomfort? Because I'm also comparing it to not just what it is now. I'm going to ask you, how was it before how has it increased, right? Was it way worse when you first had it and now it's getting better? Or is it progressively getting worse? Right. Right. And I, I always ask that, right? All these acronyms that we're talking about, all these letters, OPQRST, there's a lot more to it. And I know in, in, in the future of our episodes, we're gonna be pulling these apart a lot more tactfully and aggressively. Yes. To be educated. <laughs> right? Are you ready? So it's so one of the things where you got to ask, like, how is it? How was it when it first started? How is it now? And this is probably how it's going to be once I give you the medications, if I choose so, and if it's under my protocol, right? But you got to remember to assess that as well. And then we go into time in reference. And I guess this actually kicks it off into the whole reference of when it first started
1: and how long ago. Right. Uh, why would that be important? Well it could tell you if it's a chronic issue or if this is an acute issue, how many patients have you had? Like, yeah, I've had this for three years. Right. Well, this is is a chronic issue for you. Right. Right. That, that, that kind of brings things down on a different level. doesn't change the way you treat the patient, but definitely changes things. And time is obviously, you know, in our realm, the importance of time in, in regards to stroke patients, very, very important. So, you know, they might be, getting prepared for tpa administration right Ooh, time okay. is very important okay
0: yep. now we're talking about tpa hell yeah okay hell yeah let's go oh yeah hell yeah <laughs> no but it's you got a good point you know there there are some diagnoses out there and the issues out there that time is crucial you know absolutely seizures seizures right how long uh-huh. did that seizure last yep how many yep. times did it last mm-hmm. was it a non-stop or was it intermittent every now and then right yep. mal versus petite and all that yeah man that's
1: how long it's been going on that seizure for man you you got to take their airway right. it's been going on too long it, you, you gotta right gotta decrease you gotta give them some oxygenation there right so yeah it it, it falls in line with actually a lot of medical complaints and issues yes it really does yes
0: and the other thing about time that i'm going to elaborate on as well um off my experiences of when i've used this acronym because i will i will admit I'm i'm not just you know blowing smoke although i'm enjoying this cigar um yeah I will admit that I'm, I'm huge about this. And I, I have been told that I'm very thorough when it comes to OPUCRT, RST, that I'm actually somebody who will take the time to do it during my initial assessment and go off the books. Right. And I, I go crazy descriptive on each, each letter of that acronym. But when it comes to time, it's also referring to like, okay, when it first started, right, if it started 30 minutes ago and you're having chest pain, Now we're into the acute coronary syndrome. Now we're thinking about this could be a real issue. But if you've been having chest pain for three months now, right? Could you still have cardiac issues? Sure, 100%. I'm not denying that. That may be more of a less life-threatening situation, right? Could it still be life-threatening? Sure, I'm not denying that. But if you've been having chest pain for three months now and you feel discomfort, okay, maybe this is a new onset of of, uh, AFib. Mm -hmm. Or is this a new onset of something else? You know, could this just be digestive issues? You know what I mean? Sure. A yeah. diet. Have you changed your diet? And that's when you go into the more explicit of trying to figure out what what all this occurred and what has changed, right. which leads to the next acronym we're about to hit up. So, but when I think time, I'm also thinking, okay, am I really going to work or am I going a little bit of work when we right. have this patient who says three months versus three minutes now mm-hmm. that he was having chest pain? But that doesn't define shouldn't define how you're how aggressive you are gonna be with your medicine. It just helps paint the picture. So recap onset going off of you know was it suddenly, was it gradual, has it increased, has it been diminishing? What makes it better or worse, right? Provokes and palliates. Don't forget the palliate part, because you want to know what makes it better. Because Mm -hmm. it feels if it feels better to lay on their right side, transport on the right side. You know? Yep quality right is it, and sometimes you just need to explain some of the words and give them the words give them the some of the spoon feed some of those words be like is it sharp as a dull? doll is it cramping is it pulling is it weight right if that none of that makes sense then go as far as it be like does it feel like someone's punching you does it feel like someone's stabbing you right you have right. to be explicitly descriptive and then radiation does it move anywhere does it progress does it as i push on it does it feel different Does it feel different elsewhere, right? Think about the secondary discomforts, right? Don't just get tunnel vision on that initial pain. Severity, I want to know how bad it is now compared to earlier and to compare to maybe how I might make you feel now. If you're a 2 out of 10, not chest pain, but 2 out of 10, let's say, pain in the abdomen, I'm probably not going to give you any kind of pain management. Right. right? But if you're squirreling around and you just cannot lay still because you're in that much pain, yes. But again, I'm only giving you so much to make it more tolerable and make it more comfortable. I can't completely mask it. And then going off of time in reference to when the paint started to where it is now. So, and you could almost say restart the OPQRST when you hit that T. Cause if I were to go back 30 minutes ago when this first started, oh, yeah. Tell me more about onset then. Tell me what made it better or worse then, right? What was the quality
1: then? Right. It doesn't have to be just at the beginning, it's uh, throughout the whole transport. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that.
0: I'm glad we're kind of touching up on this because this is actually a really good review for me. And mm-hmm. something I want to share on this too. I recently had a patient in the civilian medevac company I work for. We get called for a possible STEMI transfer, right? From a lower level hospital needing to go to a full cath lab. So I was like, okay, you know, we did our thing. We got there and we do, we get it. The way it runs typically is because you fly with them as a medic and a nurse, the nurse usually goes right to the nurse or the physician or whatever and gets a report from the staff, and the medic goes right to the bedside. Why? I don't know. That's just how it is. Does it change? Sure, 100%, but that's how it seems to work for us and whoever I'm partnered with. So I go right to bedside, I do my initial greeting, and I'm also assessing from the door to the patient, hands-on, doing all the introductions and the OPQRC sample. So something for this patient, which the OPQRC actually caught that helped really diagnose what I'll, what was really occurring. It, it helped. So STEMI, right? Possible STEMI. We get there. I'm doing my thing. Nurses are telling my my nurse that this is a STEMI. They need to go to cath lab. They need, need to get evaluated. Medical history for the patient was a, a quadruple bypass, in like 2004, something like that.
1: Do they typically hand you an EKG to, to look at?
0: Yeah, they will at a nurse. Oh. I try not to get anything in hands because I don't want any distractions. I want sure. to know what should be in my hands as a patient
1: initially, Absolutely.
0: right? Because I'm trying to get I'm trying to get all that other picture that sometimes gets neglected when we are looking mm. at the paperwork, right? It's yeah. the same thing as treat the treat the patient not the monitor kind of thing. Sure, and that should be important. So, to give you a history, this is a quadruple bypass several years ago. It takes all his medications. The pain started as he was laying down for bed, and I think we got there around 11 p.m. So it's been two hours now when it, it started. Family drove him to the hospital. The pain is mid-sternum. Does not, and it, it radiates to the left lateral side of the chest. Does not radiate anywhere else. Does not cause any secondary pain. And and yeah, so that's what he told the staff. The staff did an EKG. They saw a different kind of movement in the EKG that said, okay, I got it. I'm alerting STEMI. Right. What my nurse saw was a depression, not an elevation. Okay uh, if I remember right, it was like leads two, three of V R which sure. is inferior, lateral inferior. And am I right? Right? Two, no three. Oh, V one or two, three, two, three, two, three Two three. Two three of VR yeah, okay. Yep. Inferior. You had it. Yep. Lie, lie, say, oh, that's how I learned it, right? There you go. Yeah, lie, lie, say, oh, inferior. So it was actually a depression, right? There was no elevation. There was no elevation activity.
1: Well, depression uh, can mean possible injury. Yes, right? right? Depression been would a previous be possible. A
0: previous injury, 100%, right? right? 100%. Right. While we're there, let me ask you, how do you know the difference <laughs> between, I know, squirrel, how do you know the difference between <laughs> the elevation and, or the reason, or the, the definition of what caused the elevation versus depression? Right. What's the difference? If it's elevated,
1: it's infarcted. Right.
0: So you have the injury. Yeah. If it's depressed.
1: Uh, Yeah. I I think like I was saying before, it could be from previous, it could be in a previous injury, previous heart attack, right? Previous blockage. Ischemia. Right. Previous ischemia. So current injury
0: up previous ischemia down. How do you remember which one's which when you stub your toe, what happens? You jump up. Right. Pain causes you to go up. When you hold your breath, because now you're ischemia, what happens? You fall down. Right. Boom. There makes sense? Go. Boom. Yeah, I like it. There's my two cents for it.
1: Carry hey, on. Squirrel, go. Squirrel.
0: <laughs> right. That's that's <laughs> that's how it works for me, man. Yeah. But anyway. So, there was depression in the in the inferior sides. Takes all his medications, no change and all that. So, during my assessment, the OPQRST, I talked about onset. Oh, onset. What were you doing when it started? Oh, I just I just was getting ready to lay down. It's like, okay. So you're getting ready to lay down for bed? He's like, yeah. As soon as I lay down or got ready to lay down, it just started. Okay. Huh. And P, provocation, palliation. What makes it better or worse? It's like, anytime I, I lean to the right, it hurts. And anytime I lean to left, it feels better. I'm like, okay, hmm. make it feel better. Say as you are. And that's one thing I hate it when you ask for what people to say. Hey, does it does your neck hurt and this and all that? And they start going like this. It's like no, don't do that. Right, <laughs> right. Don't right. twist your neck. Just right. you know, stuff. Anyway, squirrel again. Hey, squirrel. It's man. good. No, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Out. I can relate. We all tangent. can relate.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. We all are relating with right now. It's actually. I hope so. I hope so. I, heard, I bet
0: people are listening. Like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> nah, it's right? all good. What is he drinking I love anyway? It. If, if we talk about that, Blue Label. Oh yeah. yeah. Quality how would you explain the pain? Right. And I give him all the words for the, the tool and the spoon and all that. And he's like, yeah, you know, it, it is, it does feel like it's tearing. Um, it feels like a lot of pressure. It doesn't feel like weight, but it just feels like someone's tearing and really holding on to it. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then anyway, he says mid sternum kind of radiates the left. So radiation does not go anywhere else. Does not go to his, his neck does not go down his arm. Does not cause any secondary pain. And what I do for my secondary pains, and I do it every assessment, do you have any headaches? Do you have any shortness of breath? Do you have any chest pain? Do you have any abdominal pain? Do you have any nausea and vomiting? Is there any incontinence? Mm. I go through that stepwise every time I do my reassessments. None of that applies other than the chest pain. Severity, zero to 10. It's a seven right now. And they just, the hospital did just give them what they give them. I I was like, okay. You're in discomfort. If I need to give pain, I'm thinking of myself. If I need to give pain medication because I I won't give him dilatin, I will actually give you morphine, right? Because a morphine, morphine versus fentanyl, I'd rather go for morphine because if it's cardiac in nature, morphine's gonna be more beneficial for a cardiac patient. So that's the route I went to make it a little more comfortable. I brought him down and, and requested some morphine just prior to takeoff, and I think I gave him. Another 0.5 of morphine flight just to make it bearable. He stayed comfortable at a five, actually. And he said, it's bearable. It's comfortable. He wasn't squirreling around. And then time, always reference of how it was before compared to the picture now. The one thing that was completely neglected during the staff and previous assessments that was caught on to me now was the provocation and palliation, right? He told me that it was mid sternum that radiates to the left, right? So get your hands dirty. What makes it better or worse? As it hurt as I touched, and I worked my way into the rest of the area that hurt. As mm. I went to his left side, I felt a mass. Right? And as I even put my hands on the mass, it caused his comfort. So here I am like, sir, how long's this been here? He's like, oh, I have cancer. They've mm. removed that before, but it's been regrowing. I'm mm. like, oh, okay. Did it hurt like this when you had the growth there? And he's like, Kind of. It's not as bad now, but it also hasn't been this big. Okay. So I'm like, interesting. So, Could that
1: be compressing something? Exactly.
0: You know, he beat me to it. You know what he said? It feels like it's actually pressing against my heart. There you go. And I'm like, dude, okay. All right. Makes sense. (laughs) Cool.
1: Right. Picture taken.
0: Golden. We're there. You're not having a STEMI. You don't have a new elevation. At least a 12 lead is not the definition or is not the cure all of whether or not you have a heart attack. It's blood work. I get it. But to what's going on right now to compare to all you're explaining during the OPQRST, you have a new mass, right? It's causing discomfort. You told me that it feels like it's pressing against your heart, right? That's kind of telling me more like this is a cancer reoccurrence. um, that's occurring. So that is the importance of OPQRST. That's a really good
1: example, Vince. That painted a really good picture of OPQRST right there. I tried. I hope so. And you know what? Yes, that's the best way to find... Uh, gosh, I can already think of just numerous things where you receive something and you find something in addition and right. it's like, there it is.
0: Right. There you there actually feel like you're a good uh, provider. Absolutely. Like, Man, I school everybody in this hospital. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. Just brush that dust off. No, but yeah. it's true. That's how That's how aggressively, tactfully educated we should be. Right? Yes. We should understand more. We should be learning the lawyer more, which I hope that everybody here listening to this episode is saying, you know what? This is kind of a very basic episode, but Holy cow, this actually kind of makes sense. It's making me think outside of the box, right? Maybe you've learned yeah, something new. Maybe
1: I'll actually put my hands on the patients now.
0: Right, right. No. After asking, right? Of you don't course. Know. No, I meant palpating. I'm kidding.
1: I'm kidding, yeah. I'm kidding
0: yeah. right? I'm kidding. Yeah. But no, ideally, I hope this is something that's kind of reminding people to kind of think about the basics and think about a more thorough assessment because this is a huge tool. Your answer can be, or I'm sorry, your your answers can be derived by this assessment alone. Yes. Right, what's going on it's telling you what's going on with the patient it's giving you a reference to relate it to in the future of your assessments to see if you're doing any good or doing any bad because right if you're starting doing some interventions and it's causing more pain probably stop doing that right and then also it's, it's giving you some hints of like exactly what is what is occurring and you pass that along to the receiving facility maybe they paint the bigger picture and they understand how to handle the situation so and then we go into sample Right. Then we could go a little more briskly about this because there is a point that I actually want to run a scenario I have in mind. Another example I've had. I'm going to run you through it. Not to put you on the spot, but it's, it's, well, it's, you are. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put it in the
1: spot. Maybe That's I'll run going. you through one. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All right. This is
0: a good, this is a really good one, though. This is a really good I one. Know. But sample. So let's talk about sample real quick. Your signs and symptoms. Yep. Right. You want to know what's going on. What do you feel? How do you feel? Anything else going on? And that kind of touched up on the headaches, chest pain, shortness of breath, mm-hmm. abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting. Right. That kind of thing.
1: It's more yeah. specific symptoms. More specific,
0: right? And it is, is this objective or subjective?
1: This is uh, subjective. This
0: is subjective, yes, you're right. Because this is what the patient tells you. Objective is yes. what you physically see. A 12-lead yes. is objective, right? right? Patient skin color and cyanosis, objective, right? Mm-hmm. Patients are going to tell you, oh, my lips are cyanotic unless they're a provider. No, they're going to say, I feel short of breath. Right. It's subjective. So yes, these school these tools are... Subjective, but you could play it along into the objective role once you put your hands on and you're actually doing an assessment and thorough assessment as well. So sample signs and symptoms, A. Allergies. Allergies, right. Are you allergic to anything? Why is that important?
1: Well, it's important for med administration. It's important to pass off to the hospital for the kind of meds that they might administer. Allergies as far as just the basic, you know, insect bite to food allergy, things like that. Mm -hmm. So... Oh, you and just And then what? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to move on to the next one, but no, What do you got?
0: No, I was just going to make a joke I was like, "Oh, you're allergic to bees and you just got stung by a bee." I There's, did. <laughs> yes, I did. In the grass. Right. There it is. That's the thing. So, and then what's uh, next? Go
1: ahead. So, we got allergies, medication, uh medical history. Medications. Hey, or medications. Medications. Yes. Yep. I know where
0: you're going. But yeah, medications. So, is there any medications that you take? Right. And I'll ask this why because it also helps you paint the picture of their
1: past medical history. Right. This is a big one for me. This is I got to touch on this one because I find that providers lack in the knowledge of medications that are out there, Mm -hmm. what they are used for. A lot of these patients don't, you ask them, Hey, you're, you take LASIX, right? Well, no, they, they take a water pill. That's what they know it as. Right. Or I don't know that my doctor gives me a bunch of pills and I take them this time and this time. You got to be able to go over to that pill box and look at those meds, and determine what each of them are used for. So that'll paint a whole picture. Oh cardiac history. He's a diabetic. You're on a blood. Th- you're on a blood thinner, sir. Mm. You have a history of atrial fibrillation. Have you had a stroke in the past? Right. I mean, your meds can tell you a lot. Hundred percent. So.
0: A lot of what's going on before, a lot of what's going on now, and a lot of what you don't want going on in the future of your intervention, such as, Absolutely. hey, I have a head trauma. Hey, I do take blood thinners. Hey, this is a little more serious. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. But for example, and this is this is tough for everybody, I think, for a lot of providers because there's so many medications out there, generic versus trade name. That could be right. completely confusing. But there, you should understand some of the basic medications or at least pick them up. And what I mean by pick them up is say... Hey, my last hypertension patient took these medications. I kind of remember these names from a last medication. Maybe, hey, do you have a hypertension? Right, lisinopril, ACE inhibitors, right? Do you remember that? Was that taught, like all those crazy medications? No, typically in paramedic school and flight paramedic school, you learn most of the medications you're actually going to be administering. You don't really think about the medications that they could be taken as a prescription. But it is important to take the time. It is important to take the time. That's a good point.
1: I would say that I probably took that time myself. And, you know, my wife has a, she's a nurse practitioner and and I've asked her those questions because she can prescribe. So I did have to go out and educate myself on that. So sure. that's probably what needs to happen. I do with every paramedic student I get each year, I have a printout that I give them of all the common medications they're going to encounter in the field. Nice. And I want them to study those things so that when we get there, I want them to be able to tell me, this is what I see. This is what I remember from that sheet. Right. It can only help them in the future,
0: right? Of worse comes a worse, you know. I'm mean, insured, maybe not exactly in delaying your patient care, but if there's a moment, you can pull out your phone and Google search it, right? Because sure. they don't remember why they take it. That right. can help, right? There's no, right. there's no shame in that. You know, no. utilize those resources you have in front of you or ask a buddy, you know, or talk to the nurse or whatever and if it's facility. Yeah, it doesn't matter, but right. it is important to know the medications. So another thing, and I will elaborate on this as well, that I think it is neglected when it comes to the initial education that I have found to be very important. And I continuously to do this during every sample question I do is not only asking what medications they currently take, but I'll go as far and say, is there any medications that you are supposed to be taking? Hmm. Right. Should you be on these medications? Oh uh, yeah. I right. should be on on blood pressure medications. Like, Oh, well, okay. So your blood pressure is high. Now you're catching up to a point where it's affecting you. It's kind of painting the picture of what's going on. Don't forget to ask that, right? Is there any medications you're supposed to be taking or should be taking?
1: Yeah, Um, good question.
0: Because some people, A, payments, insurance. They don't want to take it. They don't want to take it, right? They don't want to be dependent. I get it. Some people are in the mindset that they don't want to be in any kind of medications because they want to go the holistic route, which is acceptable and is a thing out there, right? Some cultures are into that. But if a doctor has told you, hey, you need to be in blood pressure medication before and I'm looking at my monitor and now you're like 200 somethings, like... Yeah, you have hypertension. You got some issues going on. Yeah. Uh, So that is important. And then after M, we have P. This is where you go into the pertinent past medical history, right? Pertinent past medical history. So I don't really need to know that you've had a, I don't know, kidney stone if you're having. I mean, yeah, that might be important, right? That could go into the the masking and unmasking and pain deviations of chest pain. Sure, right? But realistically, what I'm most curious about when it comes to, let's say, chest pain, I want to know. Have you had any surgeries before, right? Have you been treated for a STEMI before, a heart attack, any bypasses, right? You're looking to visually, do you see that zipper line up on their chest, right, which is right. the typical sign of a bypass? Yep, um, that's that kind of stuff. So, current medical history also could entail like the the question of has this happened before, right? Is have you been treated for this exact same occurrence? Why do I want to know that? Because then I'm going to go further and be like, "What have they done to you before that has made this better?" It's like, "Oh, well, they sent me to the lab and had gave me a bypass." It's like probably going to be precursor. You're going to need this again. Now I'm you not know, saying some,
1: that, yeah, but I'm thinking right. in my mind,
0: right for sure. That's thinking ahead. Severity.
1: Yep, yep. And that's another. It's another good little tidbit I think providers should consider when they're talking to their patient. You get a patient that's in severe respiratory distress. They got a history of COPD or whatever, and you're, listen, you might want to ask him, have you, depending on how bad it is, have you been intubated before? Yes. They're going to know. They're going to know. Right? Yep. Yes, I have. Yep. So, and what else are you going to know?
0: I'm going to go grab that airway bag and have my patient right. set next to me because that's probably going to say, we may have to play today. You know? Right. If it's that severe. If it gets yep. this bad and you've been intubated when it's this bad, it's probably going to, that's a warning, like, hey, yep check it out now <laughs> you may be ready to yep. play
1: yeah uh, but it's it they tell you that it's a that's fine we're going to go that route i'm going to take care of it mm-hmm. right lay back and then you just go to work handle right. it from there because that's going to make them feel so much better right even though it's a it's a very invasive procedure but you got to look at it that way that's right they've been intubated before they look at you like yep i have mm-hmm. well you know what i got this yep. I, I i hear you i got I hear it you. i hear you we'll try Let, not to lay get back there. relax if we need
0: to we're there Yep. Right. CPAP. Yeah. Another one for that patient. Right. Oh, you ever been it. on CPAP before? Yep. Does that work? Yep. Here you go. Take it. Yep. <laughs> you know, take it in, take it in. There just it blow is. Blow those cheeks up. Blow. That's, that's what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. They have all the answers for you. Some of these patients are so well understanding of what's going on. Sometimes you just have to ask, right? Yes. They are your med control at that point. You know, like what have they done before? They give me CPAP. That works. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna try that. Yep. Cool. Past medical history, pertinent medical history. Awesome. Then oh
1: last, last oral intake. Last oral intake. Why is that important? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like honestly, I, I mean, we're talking real here. I so okay. Sure, we can we can correlate that with some yeah. things, right? Yeah. Last thing you ate. Oh, I you got traffic.
0: you got me all oh. raveled up, man. I know, I know, like at the same time, you <laughs> wish that this was like a two-way street. And you're yeah. just like a victim of me right now, man. I'm just Fine. Like, I, I just you, feel bad, man. Sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta take charge and be like, no, Vince shut shut up real quick. I'm gonna ask the questions around here. You
1: know, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> That's right. Last right, oral intake. So, L is yeah, last
0: oral intake. I remember that. So the importance of that is hey, I want to know last thing you ate, last thing you drank. I want to know, like, you know, when did you drink? What did you eat? all that stuff because if you drank and ate something that is not normal for you and now you have abdominal pain, it's probably food related, right? Did you eat some street food that is questionable fish that smells like chicken? Probably food related. But if you're telling me that your diet, there's no change in your diet. And this also goes for all of the sample right? Is this all normal for you? Is this all suddenly different? Are you on new medications? Are you on new foods, new diets? And now you're feeling this discomfort or whatever it is. That's important to know too, because if you're also telling me that you're, you know, you haven't drank any water, all you do is drink beer. I've even had patients, you know, I've had one patient who all he drank was rubbing alcohol. Right. Um, yeah. to the point where he's got, you know, different kind of cirrhosis and stuff like that. Right. Right. But,
1: Cause it's not just food. It's not just liquid. It right. could even be the medications, right? Yeah. Yeah, what was the last what's the last medication you took? Exactly. Oh, my doctor just put me on this new medication. You know, so
0: yeah, or better off, whose medication is that? Ah, uh, you know? uh, uh-huh. that's something we forgot. Not about. mine. That's right. Let me see that prescription. It's not bottle. mine. Interesting, because you're not Dan Strike, <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> right? Right. That's that's not your medication. Uh-huh. Um, but that's important to know as well, right? Those are medications you shouldn't be taking. Um, right. Stuff like that. So. And then after L, we have the glorious E, which is the events leading to the current situation, um, such as, you know, what were you doing? Uh, what were you doing before? How did you feel before this? How did you feel yesterday? Right. This right. this could be broken down into more, again, what we talked about already. How was this the last time this occurred? Right. What did what occurred to fix you at that point, if you have chest pain now, or if you had this chest pain before, what did they do in the past? And we kind of touched up on that pretty, pretty aggressively in this episode so far. So I think that kind of solves a lot of the events or the OPQRC sample history, the importance of doing the very basic assessments or to use those basic tools for your patient assessments to help paint the picture. So at this point with Dan's authority and a willingness to be a victim of one of my craziness. Yeah, give
1: it, give it to me, man. Sweet. Let's go.
0: So I'm going to try to paint this picture and do a scenario drill. And for those out there who are listening, I want you to play along, right? And think about not only the OPQRC and sample history, play along with it, but also think about the tools that you have in diagnosis. So what is it that you carry, right? Do you carry a blood sugar monitor? Do you carry, do you even carry a, an EKG monitor? Think about everything you have on that ambulance or that, that station or that hospital, aircraft, whatever it is you do. What is that you think? you would probably incorporate in this situation. So this scenario, and believe it or not, it actually took me three different occurrences with this patient specifically for me to finally say, you know what? I don't know what else to do. I'm going to pull this out. So let's start off. You get called for a 18. That's one eight year old female abdominal pain. Okay. So what is it off the bat that you are starting to, to rule out or rule in As possibilities, right? Something you should be doing on the way there, starting to think about. What is it that you think about, Dan?
1: Location? Am I going to a restaurant?
0: You are going to a residence, but yes.
1: All right. Going to a residence. 18-year-old female, abdominal pain. Is this from an assault? Is she pregnant? Ooh, yeah. Right? Okay. So, right, we're considering the food. We're considering if it's an assault. We're considering if it's the pregnancy, like I said. Yeah, let's start with that. Those are, the, those are the things I'm thinking initially.
0: Sweet. Okay. I like it. That's awesome. So you're thinking abdominal pain. You could be aggressive and be like, all right, so just you know, indigestion, right? Is it toxins? Something you ate. Is something you're exposed to? Right. Pregnancy. Is this incontinence? Is this UTI? Is this uh, kidney stones? What else could happen to a female? And trauma. You know, anything. Is this cardiac, right? That's the one thing. And I'm not being sexist on this because this is actually factual women tend to portray cardiac issues different than men and what i right. mean by that is that it seems like traditionally men when they have a heart issue let's say we'll go for a full heart attack they said they tend to say i got mid chest pain radiates to my neck goes up textbook perfect right but i've had right. a lot of women who say you know i just feel like i'm i can't pass i can't really pass this ball moving i just feel bloated we do 12 in and it's like <laughs> You've got a STEMI, right? Right. I don't know what it is exactly. I would love to hear if there's physicians out there who are maybe aware of this. Why is it that, you know, women tend to portray the symptoms a little different than, but great. We kind of ruled out the ruled those out, gives you a preemptor and what you might be doing and what you might be seeing. So you walk in, it's a home. We are in a rural area. This happened to be a rural service I used to work for. We get there and it's about, I'd say, 45 minute transport time to a mm. hospital, a trauma hospital or OB hospital, and maybe 25 to like a level three ER, you know,
1: man, so, I'm spoiled then.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a different world out there, man. It is uh, definitely something I love to enjoy because it makes you sweat. It makes you work hard mm-hmm. with that kind of transport time, but we get there. It's, you know, yeah. As providers and any kind of you know thin line community you work at, you really should assess your environments. And another squirrel moment of mine, I forgot to talk about because we, we continued on OPQRST, right? Something that I actually add into my acronym is E. So I go O P Q R S T E E, right? Environments. So you're thinking about locations. So where are we in relevance to this? What is the condition of the place we're at? Right. Sure. And is there, when I talk about environments, I'm thinking about like my complete scene survey. Are we sure. having multiple people complain of the same situation Right. Right. Are we having a crowd? Is it this, is that, are we at a restaurant? You know, are, that's where you should be thinking about the E, your environment. Absolutely. How is everybody else feeling? Sure. So backtrack onto the scenario. So you are at a, a fairly clean home, right? It's well-maintained because yes, that does play a factor in some of the patient care we've handled and the things mm-hmm. we're situated, but it's well kept. You walk into the home, scene is safe, all that, because I see safety. Uh, we have the 18 year old female. She's on all four. Right, mm. all four on the hands and knees on on the floor. She has right. got a bucket in her face, and she's puked. Maybe what looks like, and I'm sure it's probably an exaggeration, but I've never seen this before until this time. And mm. It's it looked like two gallons of bile. My okay? gosh, I'm talking about the bright orange, just frothy, thick fluid, right? That our gallbladders tend to produce when it comes to the, uh, the mm-hmm. actual, you know, acidity and all that. We've all had that time. Where we're super sick and we puked up bile. You won't forget it. Have you done that? I, I don't know. Is it just me?
1: I, I don't usually pee out of my mouth very much. Uh, right. I'm talking know? about
0: like thick, like orange, yellow. It's it's gross. If you know yeah, what right. bile is, you you won't forget it. But it's, I've never seen this much. And it's just, it's projectile. I mean, this looked like. Is she
1: experiencing four. anything other than the abdominal pain? Ooh, Besides okay. the vomiting.
0: We'll get there. So I'll role play when we when you do your assessment. Oh, okay. And I'll be her and just answer questions. So
1: cool. Explicitly,
0: forgive me now, but there are some things I have to say because it is what was said to me to paint the picture. So, but yeah, you walk in, you see her on all four. She's puking a continuous amount of bile. It looks like an Mm. episode from Family Guy where it's just projected out. You have a elderly woman who's in the kitchen kind of just staring off, you know, looking at you to an assessment. And then you have another female there, probably looked around the same age, standing there and waiting for you to come up. So what is the things you want to do and assess?
1: So we were talking about the environment. Does my yeah. gas monitor go off on of my bag?
0: Oh, damn. Okay. Tell me more.
1: Carbon monoxide, man.
0: Awesome. You do not have anything going off in carbon monoxide.
1: Cool. All right. Did you bring that uh, in? What's that?
0: Did you bring that in?
1: Yeah, you do. Yeah, they're they on our first ten bags. Wow. Okay,
0: I like that. I dig yep. that. Sweet. Absolutely. You do not have any alarms, but that's actually really cool. Yeah, you don't have you don't have any alarms going off right now. Okay. What else?
1: All right. So, I mean, we're approaching the patient.
0: Sweet. She's at a point where she's kind of taking a pause from puking. She's kind of sure. happy at this point.
1: What is going on?
0: Sweet. I I just this has been going on since this morning. It's currently mm-hmm. maybe four p.m. I just can't stop throwing up. I've got abdominal pain. It's just all over. It just hurts. It feels like a cramp. Did
1: Did you eat anything abnormal today? I uh,
0: haven't haven't been able to eat at all today because of this.
1: Okay. Is there any chance you're pregnant?
0: No, because I am not sexually active with men.
1: Okay. So th- when it happened this morning, what what caused it to? What caused you to begin vomiting and having this abdominal pain? It was all of a sudden. I woke up just to it. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Does it move anywhere else? If, uh, I'm gonna, you know what? Why don't you sit back here? I want you to try to sit up, calm down. I'm just going to assess you real quick, get some vitals. I'm going to palpate your abdomen here. Okay. Okay. Is there a specific part of your abdomen that hurts?
0: No, not right now. It just feels all over.
1: All over. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and palpate your abdomen. What's my assessment telling me so far?
0: It just tenderness all over. No rebound, no sharp pains. It just feels like that complete tenderness. like you've been puking.
1: Okay, what's your pain? Zero to ten, ten being the worst. Seven. Okay, and then started this morning. Okay, all right. Would you like to go to the hospital today? Yes. Okay, hang on. All right, what's? Do you have any medical problems? No, you, nothing. You don't take medications every I day. I don't take medications. Okay, you know. So while they're getting vitals, I'll probably go talk to the family members and see what they notice from the morning. So
0: your vitals right now are, I'd say, 136 over 82. Paula Ox is at 94. Heart rate is at maybe 102. What else do you want?
1: That's good for now. Okay. Yeah. Talk to the family members. Anything abnormal that they've noticed?
0: the f- The other female present wants to come yeah. along with you. All right. They just stated that.
1: Are they getting along?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're getting along. Cool. At this point, you've correlated. I know it's hard to do, but you've correlated they are a couple.
1: They're a couple. Yep, For sure.
0: All right. Because the reason why I kind of emphasize this, because during my assessment, I have to ask, like, are you sexually active? Is there a chance for pregnancy? They're like, no. It's like, okay, well, are you sexually active? Yes. Okay. Do you use protection or are you in any kind of birth control? Because there are times Mm -hmm. and locations where you have to be explicitly descriptive about some of that information because they may not know if they're pregnant.
1: Right. And remember, right. everything we talked about, OPQRC and sample, I want you to use All. Oh. All of it. Yes. All of yes, it. Yes. yes. So we've gone through OPQRST. We started sample because I uh, started asking her about medications, signs and symptoms. It was abdominal pain with nausea. Yeah. So you were doing your abdominal
0: assessment. Let's say we're fast forward We're on the stretcher, right? We're in the ambulance. Hopefully, you know, I think we... Someone decided to do it in the privacy of an ambulance. You do your assessment, everything's tender. There's nothing, there's no mass, there's no pulsations, there's no abnormalities in the sense of swelling. It's just she's kinda of guarding it, because again, you puke so much, you you have abdominal cramps.
1: What's her temperature?
0: Good question. Now temperature
1: was normal, ninety-eight six, let's say. All right. Okay. So uh, we're gonna go finish with sample here. Mm-hmm. Any allergies to medications? Sulfur. Right, it, okay. No medications taken every day. We already went. No medical history. She took a couple of
0: aspirins tonight or this morning to see if that would help with the pain, but that's it.
1: Okay. No past medical history, right?
0: No past medical history, no surgeries.
1: What was the last thing she ate this morning?
0: Uh, she did not get eaten t- today.
1: Oh, she didn't. Cune. Yeah. She hasn't eaten. Yeah. And then it was an acute onset. So we've up. gone through OPQRST and sample. Are we going for treatment here? What we're going to do? Sure. All right. So she's been vomiting a lot. Let's try to replace some of that with some normal saline. Start Sorry. an IV. Rehydration. Sure. Uh, give her some Andonzatron, four nice. milligrams IV. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, we'll go with that.
0: That definitely reads or that definitely
1: helps. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But she's still got that pain in her abdomen. Yeah. yeah? So done. All right. Well, let's give her something to make her comfortable, huh? Okay. Hey, okay, we're gonna do uh, how much she weigh? Mm, let's
0: say she one thirty six pounds.
1: Okay. <laughs> Are We gonna give her some ketamine or some fentanyl? I was going fentanyl because ketamine was not a option
0: at that time. Okay. Although I do like where you're going with that.
1: All right, well, I'm gonna give her uh, to start off. I'll give her 30 mics. Okay, okay, and then I'm gonna check back in on her pain.
0: Sure, pain's down to seven. It's tolerable, but it's just like I said. It just has. It's that very empty. Like you just been puking your whole life away.
1: Oh boy. And uh, so there's no carbon monoxide in the house, huh? Nothing like that.
0: Nothing right off. We're not. Ears. We're not gonna
1: check the spco two.
0: SPCO2, what are your normal readings?
1: Well, let's see. Anything over 10? is going to be a...
0: Tell me about your SPCO2.
1: Yeah, so it's reading the carbon monoxide that's in... The, it's like when you're checking your pulse ox, the hemoglobin in the bloodstream. This is checking carbon monoxide. Sweet. Your reading is at 12. Hmm. Give her a little oxygen. Start sure. her on a nasal cannula. Put her on a couple liters, two liters nasal cannula. See if that helps. If it's not, you can bump her up. Maybe even put her on an non breather. Sure. Is she in any respiratory distress from this? No. All right. Well, that's give her oxygen and uh, check her capnography and, and see how that's looking. And so I've got I got a little bit elevated readings mm-hmm. on my spco 2 mm-hmm. So. This is some type of poisoning.
0: Sweet. So fast forward, we get to the hospital, you gave the same readings and all that. Sweet. Thank you for your service, all that good stuff. See you later. You get called back again two days later. Same situation.
1: Okay. Let's do it again. (laughs) <laughs> i don't all know the same
0: man. readings all the same objectives subjectives
1: listen also. something's going on in her house so,
0: Ooh, okay that's, okay that's what's going on talk got, to me
1: listen, baby talk to listen, me listen we're, we're going in we're, we're paramedics we're also firemen too we've got monitoring okay. equipment so we need we need to monitor the environment awesome like there's a there's a reason that if, if i've got elevated readings you know from her sp spco2 i'm already thinking that maybe there's something abnormal going on in the environment of the home okay so awesome that's where i'm at awesome uh, what are you looking for in the uh, environment? The,
0: so this this is where I said, hey, instead of just OPQRST, think about O-P-Q-R-C-E.
1: E, right? Environment. So can we can we start with a four guess? Okay. You
0: walk in the house. I mean, nothing crazy is going off right now.
1: All right. Ah. Hey. Huh? Okay.
0: Or what are you looking for like
1: where are you looking for sure i mean i'm looking for toxins i'm looking for pill bottles i'm looking for what has she ingested that possibly has caused this i'm looking for sure. abnormal cleaning products i'm i don't know
0: so, so for the most part the the toxin part of it she's been very honest with what she's ingesting what she's not ingesting you, you go back in and same scenario You do the transfer. You just can't figure out what's going on. You definitely jumped the gun on that. I'm proud of you for doing it. It's just because we had, it was an ambulance ALS only. It wasn't fire that I was working at this point, but we had that, that, what is it? A rad monitor, which is the same. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was one of those things. It's like, and we didn't, you know, you got to check sugar. You do a 12 lead, you do everything, right? You rule it out. So this was scenario. I I ran my 12 lead. I ran my sugars. I did every scale. I reassessed the abdomen. Redid my sample, O-P-Q-R-S-T-E, all of that. And by the third time I get called, this exact same thing, exact same objectives, objectives. This is where I paid a little more attention to E, like you're doing, All right. The place looks really clean. Again, right? I'm talking about like, it looks like they barely even touched the place. Right? This mm-hmm. is kind of making weird sense. Grandma's yet again in the kitchen, okay? She's standing there. Mm-hmm. So now here I am like, well, obviously something's wrong here, right? So we try to get a little more from grandma. Grandma's not really giving much answers, but she's not really willing you to play around in the kitchen. She doesn't want you there. Okay. Mm. Interesting. And I play the game of like, cause at this point it was, it was a hit or mess. So if we had fire service, because a lot of the fire services down there, we covered all the County or most of the County EMS, but the fire service was up to them, whether or not they'd send first responders. And this was the moment where we actually had fire service come along Again, we're in rural area, and I was like, "Can we do? Can you guys do a walk through the house? Right, bring your monitors, do your thing,
1: um, a meth lab in there."
0: Hey, that was it. That was it. They uh-huh. went to the basement. Grandma had a huge meth lab in the basement. Right, cool. Where all those where all those gases <laughs> going up? They're elevating, right? That's it. So That's the it. thing that I w- that kind of had me stumped is I asked I asked the patient, you know, every time, "What were you doing yesterday? How were you yesterday?" Right. Compared to today, it sucks, but what did you do yesterday? I was at a bonfire. I was like, okay, well, I mean, if you inhale a lot of smoke, it would be gone by now. You know? right. It wouldn't just wake up to puking at this point. So I put the rad monitor on her. I put the rad monitor on the girlfriend, who was also at a higher reading, but not as high. She was probably like a seven. Right, a smoker is typically normal at a four, five, four or somewhere five, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think... At a 10, you're nausea, vomiting. At a 15, you're syncopal. 20, you're passed out. You're, you're done. Right. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's a, a finer abbreviation of all that, but average. She was elevated to 12. She was puking bile. I don't understand why the bile was coming out like crazy. But yeah, we did a thorough walkthrough of the E aspect of why we should put that in the acronym. Meth lab in the basement. Right? So she was inhaling all these toxins. Nobody wanted to talk to me about it. I don't think she really knew what was going on downstairs. I'm sure grandma kept her away. Right. Uh, but this hopefully short low scenario, we talked about the the doing the sample, but the importance of why picking apart each one is important, you know, and just maybe evaluating that acronym to put the E. So you beat yeah, me like to the punch. You know, you're too smart for the scenario, but you walked in as a firefighter paramedic, you know, so you had a little more tools. But I'm right. I'm glad to hear that your service actually carries monitors in your first in bags, right? Yes, we do. That is that is critical. I mean, I've seen it where it was hard to push some departments to just carry a monitor, you know, on the persons, you know? Right. Uh, Cause some, most of the time it's like, we, they didn't want to carry it unless they knew it was a gas. It was like, most of the time you're not going to know it's a gas until, you know, until your monitor. We've ran into
1: actually. that before. It's happened before elevated readings in a house. So elevated. There was a person in cardiac arrest, The crew to rush and help the patient, but cops are outside vomiting. And, and it was, it was so high that it was, it was too toxic to right. get, to do it, to risk right. yourself. So they do come in handy. Put them on your bags. Right,
0: right, 100%. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that it those decisions are done reactively versus proactively. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you and I could have a very heated conversation when it comes to that in tactical medicine and Absolutely. active sales situations. You know, that's the movement we're trying to do here at the WTL podcast is really shine some light on, unfortunately, the new norm of society here and how we should be training. But that's, that's our goal. So... But needless to say, I mean, again, well, that was quickly run down because of your knowledge, but that's kind of the drills we're going to be doing, you know, kind of picking apart some of this foundational knowledge and running you through scenarios. If anybody out there has similar instances or other acronyms they use and has worked greatly for them, share it with us, you know, write it out to our social media posts on our comments, our DMs, right? Slide in there and tell us, or send us emails at stay at WTL podcasts.com. Dot us and this is even an opportunity for you to be a part of your further education to even interact, you know, have you as a guest and have you form where your education is going to go in the future. This is where we're really excited to really incorporate our podcast training scenarios into the CME collective to where you could earn your con ed hours just by listening. You know, whether it's very simple practices or very complex practice practices that gives you a chance to further your, your licensures and your practices and your, your skills. So, but needless to say, I think it's very really important to rewind and think about the basics. Think about the foundational things that we have neglected at some point because we gain gained so much more knowledge that we tend to walk over that very basic knowledge. And that could be a life or death situation, or that could be the key to success. You know, just like this scenario, if we didn't do the OPQRC for the one I had at the interfacility transfer I talked about earlier, we would have never found out that he had a mass in his left side chest that, as quoted, feels like it's pressing against his heart, causing the issue rather having a full STEMI. So I don't know the exact outcome of that patient and where it was. This was just not too recent ago. so. But it would be interesting to see how that really played along. But that that's where we're at. You know, we're a little over an hour here. And I think we've we've drilled pretty hard on that information, unless you got something else you want to add or
1: subtract or change there, Dan? Oh, this is good for me. I know this was talked about as a basic thing, but hey, education is always good. I took away something. I'm sure you did too. Oh, 100%. And uh, this is awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, more to come. Sweet. 100%. Would you imagine how cool this was if we had like a live episode or a full
0: episode with a live department, you know, and we're, oh. we're integrating their training over the air, you know what I mean? Could you imagine? That would be yeah. like the future of Con Ed. And that's, to me, I think that could be a possibility. You know, so Absolutely. definitely reach out. And then Dan, as as one of the cadre members, what is something, if somebody wants to be part of a member of our, our show here, our mission, what can they do to join?
1: Yeah, listen, if you feel led to, or you, you have interest to be a part of this, please reach out. Reach out to us at cadre at wtlpodcast.us. Tell us what your aspirations are. Tell us what you want to do. So again, if you're listening to this and you're like, I would love to be a part of this, please reach out and we'll get you plugged in. hundred well, percent. We got, we got people,
0: you know, all over right now. We've got one person in Utah, which his name is Utah. You know, mm-hmm. we got a, we got a, we got a cop on, we got a couple cops on one from the East coast. And then we got a couple of the people joining from Florida, Texas, Michigan, and us in Illinois here. And then we actually have a ER trauma doctor who's actually interested in participating which would be exciting to bring that wealth of knowledge, especially for for somebody who's very humble and willing to, you know, talk to us minions out there, you know, who play the game. That would be exciting to kind of bridge that gap, so to speak, and break the stigma of differences. And that was our goal, you know, to to have a conversation with everybody within the, the thin line organizations. I'm sure there could be something said here within a dispatcher role, you know, on how things could be communicated or assessed, even addressed, you know, during that initial phone call. Even law enforcement, you know, it's not, it was a rarity for us to get law enforcement responding, you know, as, as initial, it was, it was really kind of per request, but that's because it was a rural area. And so we didn't always have those resources at hand at all times compared to where we're at now.
1: Street and, drive.
0: and that pretty much goes off of the sample OPQRST. Some of the basic things we've been taught to or taught in our initial clinical schools that we've been to, whether it's EMT, paramedic, nursing. And doctrines I hope that's how they are. I can't speak on behalf of them. But I, I hope that is a tool in your tool bag to be able to utilize during patient assessment, and something that I know that we all may come across moments in our careers that we tend to neglect, utilizing these tools. Why? Because they put an emphasis on our basic initial training, but then it tends to dissipate throughout our continued and maybe more clinically act or not aggressive, clinically advanced levels of practice right so we wanted to put an emphasize or emphasis on this tool because it is something that is very valuable and should be kept as you know sacred in your toolbox it helps paint a picture it helps to really emphasize some of the actions that may be coming along or what you know foreshadow some of the treatments and some of the activity you may be doing with this patient when you do your transfers or your patient care I hope this is something that's been very valuable and has been a beneficial for you in this environment. We wanted to provide, you know, this, this initiative of our addition into the CME collective through IMED. And like I said, what better way to start than the very initial and very basic foundational information. It gives you all that entry level so to speak of our show and for us to be that entry level into the collective we wanted to give you the utmost educational information and adaptive and also interactive so if you find this information to be you know useful or want to partake into this information even be part of the future of your collective or your cme or non-ed want to be interactive Send us an email at stay at WTLpodcast.us. That's S-T-A-Y at WTLpodcast.us. We would love to have guests. We will actually engage and interact with you during our scenarios, give you a chance to role play into our training environment, and you get a chance to actually earn content hours through your interaction. So my name is Vince. And I'm Dan Strike. And we are here just in the spur of the moment. Wanted to give you a new era of education. So from us all at the WTL podcast, wherever it is that you are, whatever it is that you do, just remember to stay within thin lines and to stay, I guess is a new motto we're going to have, aggressively and tactfully educated. The WTL podcast.
1: We're training leads.
0: From us all here at the WTO Podcast, we hope that you've enjoyed our first and initial release of an accredited episode through IMED's CME Collection. Don't forget to go over to IMED.com, create an account, go to the CME Collective, listen to our episode, and answer our few questions to earn your continued education hours for your licensed renewal needs. If there's any other needs we could be assistance of, reach out to us through our email at stay at wtlpodcast.us or call us at 844-782-9985. That's 844-STAY-WTL. As always, if you or someone you know is struggling with demons or challenging times, we encourage you to call and text us or email us at any time of the day. We will get you the support you need. If it's urgent, please utilize the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by calling or texting 988. Here at the WTL Podcast, we've got your six. Stay healthy, stay safe, and just remember to stay within thin lines.